fellow church family. This is uh, part three of Esther chapter eight. Uh, part three of Esther chapter eight. Uh, if you recall, uh, this chapter was is basically the, the great reversal where all of the Jews that were threatened are now in position of uh, prominence. They are now protected under the Persian law to defend themselves if anyone uh, from if any Persian decides to go against and act against the Jews. Um, and we talk about how this is how the Lord operates. He often used uh, things that people least expect uh, to um, save his people or to um, fulfill his will. And, and uh, I mean, we talk about how uh, the Jews that were humbled, uh, that were hated, uh, were now at this point in a place where they have authority. Um, we talk about, again, the, the, how that's even played out uh, throughout Scripture, not just only in this book, but throughout the Old and the New. And we talk, uh, that have, for application, we talk about how the, there are different great reversals in our life that should give us a greater appreciation and love for the Lord, and that we could trust them more. Uh, we talk about how the, the last becomes first, how those that are... Um, uh, if you if you understand even your own salvation, uh, you understand that the Lord uses those who uh, who humbles themselves, those that uh, are not proud and think highly of themselves. These are the ones that the Lord will use, um, and they're the ones that will actually inherit uh, eternal life. You have to be a humble person to acknowledge your own sin in need of a Savior. Second, we talk about how the suffering becomes a comforter. Uh, you recall in the story that uh, uh, Mordecai brought all this uh, problems with Jews because of his own, in a way, his own selfishness and pride. And then uh, through his pleading to Esther and then Esther pleading to the king, uh, things switched. Uh, now they're able to give comfort to the Jews uh, through the deliverance of them and also having this uh, celebration of those that we'll see at the end of the book that reminds them of God's goodness in light of uh current suffering, and that they always remember that uh, the Lord will deliver them or, or give a means for them to be delivered, uh, even if they don't acknowledge the Lord. God's still watching over his people, even though um, the people, uh, the Jews here, may not even acknowledge him. Then we talk about how the fool uh, becomes the wise. Uh, uh, at the time, all uh, I said how all of the Jews here were foolish because none of them acknowledged the Lord. And um, I think the principle that we tried that I tried to draw was that uh, you want to be fools for Christ, not like the fools of the Jews. And by being fools of Christ, I mean you declare the message uh, that's considered foolishness to the world. That we, um, the, the way that we live out our lives and the the message that we proclaim is foolishness to the world. Why would people? Why would Christians withhold all the sin that they could enjoy in this life? That seems so foolish and foreign. But we know that although those things are foolish to the world, it is um, in the wisdom of God that we live a certain way because that's where we find true joy. The Lord built us a certain way and sin distorts all that. Uh, so I said that we don't want to be foolish like uh, the Jews who fail to acknowledge God. Rather, we want to be fools in the New Testament terms in the way that we live out our lives. So now we're going to talk about... Uh, how the humble becomes exalted. Our fourth point is how the humble become exalted. You recall in the, in the text of Esther, Mordecai saved um, uh, the king, and then he moved on to continue to live life, and he was uh, overlooked, and later he was exalted for his deeds. Um, and that's just the nor- uh, 
normal life, I think even for uh, Christians, that sometimes for some of us, we can be overlooked. Uh, um, we can be, uh, a pa- like a certain opportunity could pass by us. Uh, but eventually, if we're faithful to what we have and to our life, uh, we will be exalted. And even there's just even some practical wisdom that we see from Scripture. Where in Luke 14, 11, Jesus talks, talks about how if you're invited to a banquet, don't sit in that high, uh, elevated place with the uninvited. You know, rather you want to. It's better for you to uh, start low and then be elevated, as opposed to trying to put yourself on a high pedestal and then uh, be taken down, because that's kind of that's embarrassing. Um, so that's what uh, uh, Jesus said. And then in Luke 18. Uh, he talks, uh, Jesus again speaks about this, uh, a difference between a Pharisee and, uh, and a, and a tax collector, how the Pharisee boasts of his own righteousness, whereas a fair, whereas the tax collector pleaded, um, uh, in, you know, in the context of worship, uh, that he, he asked God to forgive him, be merciful to him because he's a sinner. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 14, it says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. In uh, the Christian life, we know that our humble state is what eventually get us into glory. Um, again, some of you might be overlooked from job positions or or opportunities in life, or even some of you that might be physically humbled. Uh, understand that Scripture tells us that all of these type of humble states will end. Your physical ailments, your things that uh, you that you do. Uh, that's, that's good, that's overlooked by men, it's seen by God. Uh, God knows your affliction, God's aware of things that have you lost in this life, but yet God promises through his word that we will be exalted at the right time. We see this in James chapter 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Uh, parallel passage to that is First Peter 5, 6, where it says, uh, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He may exalt you at the proper time. And, uh, and at the proper time here and in every context is not necessarily in this life. Some of you guys will have your afflictions or will always be overlooked in this life. Uh, but the Lord will reward you in the time uh, in the future. Uh, and that's the hope that we have. Our humble lives will end in, 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 in glory. And that should give us great joy in, to look forward to in the future. It should give us contentment in the moment. Uh, no matter what happens, whatever we lose in this life, as long as we're humble, eventually the Lord will exalt us into the place that um, he deems as worthy. Um, so that's something that we can look forward to. Another great reversal that's a theme that's throughout the scripture that we can uh, look forward to, uh, that could give us great appreciation of the Lord, is that the poor becomes rich. Uh, remember in the in Esther, there were the Jews that were threatened. Uh, Haman said that uh, they, after they killed them, they'll, they'll take all of their possessions and give it to the king. Um, they were going to lose all of their property. Gonna, uh, uh, in fact, when the edict came out, you can imagine how all the Jews felt, um, how they were treated. You know, they probably couldn't make any investments anymore. They probably couldn't uh, uh, borrow money anymore, or they couldn't. Uh, do things they were, they were looked down upon because they knew that the society as, as a whole understood that uh, the Jews aren't going to be there much longer anyway. So let's not uh, spe- waste our time and money on them. But then, uh, when when Queen Esther helped deliver the Jews, uh, the Jews are now placed in a, a situation where they can 
operating normally again. Uh, they can have, return the wealth back. That's what happened with uh, Mordecai. The house of uh, Haman was given to him. Um, and later on, the Jews uh, as a whole would eventually become uh, dominant in the society. Uh, they eventually became rich. Again, although this this is not a, a go and do likewise. We're not we're not called to go and kill other people to be to take their wealth. We do see that this principle applies even to the New Testament. That those that are poor will eventually become rich. And I'm not necessarily speaking financially because um, there are a lot of Christians that are poor. Um, but I am speaking in terms of just poor in spirit. Uh, Matthew five three tells us, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God." Um, our salvation begins with an acknowledgement that we are spiritually bankrupt and that we are in desperate need of uh, things and the things that uh, this world cannot provide. There's uh, there are certain things in this life that can that we can never achieve, um, and that proves. I think the reason why Christ used Matthew five three is intended to like a visual picture of what it's like to not have anything. And he's, he's, he wants to point that to our spiritual condition and that what's greater than not having things in this life is that you have no way to be reconciled to God without Christ. Um, and we also understand as persecution comes in this life or as um, the financial system crashes, um, we may lose a lot in this life. We may lose a lot of things that we once had. Um, we had a staff meeting earlier this week, and we talked about that, like how some of the retirement, uh, some of the elderly people that were saved up for retirement basically lost every, a lot of the, what they've uh, saved up over time in, in an instant. Uh, but this, this isn't new because this happened all the way back in the Great Depression, or this happened in other financial uh, crises during uh, history. And um, this is just a normal part of living in a fallen world, that you cannot trust in the things that you have in and for some of you, just being a Christian is enough to make you ostracized and, um, and set apart and even hated upon that you will not be able to gain any social or financial uh, leverage or, um, or, or pedestal because of your faith. But we, as Christians, understand that our hope, our, our wealth is not of things in this life. It's not something that's tangible that can be robbed or stolen. Or, or depreciate. Rather, our inheritance is, is found in glory. Uh, Ephesians 1.18, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is in the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints. Um, we understand that uh, we have Christ. We have, uh, our inheritance is Christ. Our, it's our salvation. It's, it's paradise. And that's just the I mean, that's the chief and the greatest glory, uh, greatest uh, reward for us is that we have to be with our Savior for all eternity. Uh, but he gives us so much more. Um, First Corinthians talks about how we have these heavenly rewards, like things that we've acquired in this life. Uh, we'll be rewarded for it uh, based on how we um, use the things that the Lord has given us. Um, and John chapter 14 tells us, so the Lord is preparing a place for us. He's preparing um, a home for us. Uh, this is, uh, John chapter 14, verse 1. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. 
If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. Again, this is Christ speaking to the disciples at the time who, uh, you know, Jesus said he's going to leave them. And they were afraid, um, of, you know, what the, the, the coming, uh, trials and persecution. But yet the Lord comforts them, not with saying like, oh, your life is going to be easy. Rather, he promised them with eternity, promised them of, of a, of, of a place, of basically the Father's house. Um, throughout the Old Testament, we talk about dwelling and being with the Lord. Uh, Christ is making the same type of illusions here that in the future, we will have uh, a place, um, in the, in the courts, in the Lord's table. Uh, so you may be poor in this life, whether it's because of financial things or because of what's going on uh, around you, but, but always look forward to the hope of eternity, a place where we have paradise uh, and a place where there's no pain, no more suffering, and no more fear of, of, of discomfort, because the place that where Christ is, uh, is a place that's without pain. And lastly, the weak become strong. Uh, you recall in the book of Esther, uh, the Jews were hunted. Uh, now they have the authority to fight back against those that are uh, that has you know, wanted to persecute them. Uh, they were defenseless, and then eventually, uh, through God's sovereign plan, they were empowered to be able to defend themselves. Um, and we understand that as Christians, we identify with the weak. We identify with that even in this life, um, if we were to be viewed as uh the weak uh, in terms of uh, whether it's physically or socially or whatever, uh, our strength is not derived from uh, those t- those trivial things. Our strength is derived from Christ. Paul speaks the same way, Second Corinthians 12. <clears throat> uh, in this context, Paul was speaking about how there was a thorn in his flesh, how um, whether it's you know, different commentators says like it could be demonic influences or or uh, or just a, someone in the church or a physical thing, however you decide uh, to interpret it, in the end, he, he doesn't boast about his strength. Rather, he says he, he, he rather boasts about his weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Uh, therefore, Paul writes, I am content with weakness, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, with, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And as Christians, uh, that this is how the Lord uses um, the weak. Uh, the weak uh, is often the ones that's most dependent on the Lord. Uh, the default position is to uh, to realize that none of the things that they can do is is outside of God's ability through them. Uh, this is John fifteen five uh, that we need to abide in Christ, uh, uh, and without Christ we can do nothing. Um, therefore, as Christians, we need to uh, understand that being weak. And depending on the Lord is actually a good thing. Because when you start seeing how the Lord still uses you in light of your weakness, um, whatever result comes out of the things that you do, you can say with, uh, with definite clarity that it is because of God's goodness. It is all because of God's doing. There's nothing about you that can do anything, but it's all because God uh, decided to use you for his glory. And that should give us great encouragement in this time. Uh, no matter what happens in this life, no matter how weak we, we, we become, we can still be used by God. Uh, don't think that just because you are um, physically weak or, um, or, or drained or emotionally drained or anything like that, that, you, that you're not useful in the, in the hands of the Lord. 
humble yourself and, and abide in the Lord, and the Lord will use you uh, in ways that you would never imagine. Um, so that these are uh, the three other great reversals that we see in Scripture uh, that seem so backwards to the world, but is, is what God wants us to be so that he can receive all the glory. Again, the, what we've gone over today was the humble becomes exalted, how we need to humble ourselves, and uh, some of us are, are being humbled by our circumstances, and, but these things will all end, and the Lord will exalt us at the, at the appointed time. Then uh, we also talk about the poor becomes rich, that uh, those are po- who are poor in spirit, uh, whether it's, uh, those are the ones that will be used by God because they understand their own dependency under a spiritual bankruptcy, and they need the Lord. And um, we also talk about how uh, we may lose all the things in this life, but we have something, uh, we, have, we have a inheritance by the Lord, this future inheritance that's greater than anything that this world has to offer. And lastly, we also the weak become strong, uh, that we boast about our weakness because uh, we can see God empowering us to do the ministry uh, and do anything, really, anything and everything. And it's in those weaknesses that we can really uh, praise the Lord and seeing how he's using us in light of how uh, frail we are. Uh, so that's uh, today. Tomorrow we'll, we'll end with last two. Uh, well, maybe last two. We'll see. Uh, and again, uh, trust in the Lord, uh, that the Lord uses um, things that we least expect. Um, and if we're more attuned and aware of those things, we can be joyful in this life. Thanks for listening. Uh, I will see you guys tomorrow.